Welcome to the Neon Noise Podcast, your home for learning ways to attract more traffic to your website, generate more leads, convert more leads into customers, and build stronger relationships with your customers. And now, your hosts, Justin Johnson and Ken Franzen. Hey, 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 Neon Noise Nation. Welcome to the Neon Noise Podcast, where we decode marketing and sales topics to help you grow your business. I am Justin, and with me, I have my co-host, Ken. Ken, what's going on today? Not too much, Justin. How are you doing yourself? I am doing fantastic. Thank you. I am uh, extremely excited to talk to our featured guest today. He's got a awesome story. Can't wait to dive in. Today, we have on Marcus Sheridan. He is called a web marketing guru by the New York Times. The story of how Marcus was able to save his swimming pool company River Pools from the economic crash of 2008 has been featured in multiple books, publications, and stories around the world. And it is also the inspiration for his newest book, They Ask, You Answer, which is dubbed the number one marketing book to read in 2017 by Mashable. Today, Marcus has become a highly sought after global speaker and consultant in the digital sales and marketing space working with hundreds of businesses and brands alike to become the most trusted voice in their industry while navigating the ultra-fast rate of change occurring within consumers and buyers today. When Marcus isn't giving riveting and passion-filled keynotes around the globe or consulting with businesses and brands, he generally finds himself on an adventure with his wife and four children. Awesome stuff. Without further ado, Marcus, welcome to Neon Noise. Gentlemen, it's a pleasure to be here. And hopefully I'll say something today that doesn't suck. <laughs> All right. We are going to keep the suckiness out of this conversation. Good stuff. Hey, fill in the blanks on anything I may have missed. And uh, why don't you give us a little bit of background? You hit it, man. Um, I'm just a pool guy turned marketing guy. And, uh, you know, if you want, I can tell the, I can tell the whole story <laughs> wherever you want to go. You, know, you just tell me where you want to go. Awesome. Well, I think uh, you got a really unique story and, and it's, you know, in fall of 2008, I, I, I don't think we're going to shed any light on your nose. It was a challenging time for just about everybody. It's very difficult. Yeah. And, uh, but it was a major pivot point for you. So I think let's set the table here a little bit with uh, you telling us about where you were, what was going on and how that moment in time or that, that, that time period itself, uh, transformed you or set you on the track to where you are today? Well, you know, we started the company River Pools in 2001, you know, basically, I mean, literally out of the back of a pickup truck and we we're just trying to grow it, grinding like everybody does when you start a little company like that. And um, things were okay up until 2008 when the economy collapsed. And within the first 48 hours of the crash, we lost five deposits, people that said they were going to get a pool withdrew that deposit and said, we just can't do it. So we lost about a quarter of a million dollars in business in the first 48 hours after the crash of Lehman Brothers and all that stuff. And then over the coming months, it just got worse and worse. And by January of 2009, we really were looking at bankruptcy square in the face. And I talked to three consultants. They all said, you should probably just close your doors and file. But the issue was, if I did that, I was going to lose my home. My two business partners were going to lose their homes. My 16 employees at the time were going to lose their jobs. And so you know, we basically had to figure out a way to generate more trust, more traffic, more leads, more sales than we'd ever done without really spending any money to do it. That's where we were. And that's when I started to read about the internet. 
and seeing all those fancy phrases like inbound marketing or content marketing or digital blogging, et cetera. And, you know, really what I heard in my mind as I read these technical phrases was, Marcus, if you just obsess over the questions you get asked every single day by prospects and customers, and you're willing to address those on your website through text and video, you just might win. And so that's when we embrace that philosophy that today, of course, I call they ask, you answer. And to make a long story really short, we did it so well that it became the most traffic swimming pool website in the world and saved the company. And we went on to start manufacturing uh, fiberglass pools as well. And now we have dealers around the country and it's just been an amazing ride. And I started writing about that about a year after we, you know, we were doing it, we, we began and, and I uh, called it the sales lion. It, it was just a personal blog at the time, you know what I mean? But it grew into something of its own. And, and today I spend the majority of my time with, with the sales line, with those activities, with the consulting and speaking side of it. And, you know, just companies saying, Hey, I want to be the most trusted voice of my space. I want to be the Wikipedia of that thing that we do. And we try to help them achieve that. It's been awesome. Great story. Great story. So what, what was your activity like though? When, when you said that you started answering questions, what was your activity like there that, that led to the, the increase in traffic? It was it, uh, I'm guessing it was blog posts. Yeah. I mean, we would consider it a, yeah. I mean, a blog post. Um, it was, of course we did it on the website through text and video. And I mean, literally at first I just brainstormed every single question I would get all the time. And, um, and uh, there's plenty of those. I mean, there's probably at least a hundred of those. And then whenever I would sit in a sales appointment, I would be first listening to, instead of just trying to answer the question fast, I would think to myself, have I addressed that well on the website yet? And so that became our, our moniker, our philosophy. And, you know, we, we, it turns out we did a lot of things that nobody had ever done though. I mean, I didn't, at the time I wasn't thinking to myself, this is going to be the most innovative thing ever <laughs> with content marketing. I was just thinking, I got to stay in my company. But to give you an example of a few of them, you know, when we started the process of They Ask You Answer about seven years ago, there wasn't a pool guy in the world that had addressed on their website, how much does a pool cost? <laughs> Which is crazy. That's but what that's, everybody wants. <laughs> that's, that's what everybody wants, yet that's what most businesses refuse to talk about. Well, so that was one of the first pieces. How much does a fiberglass pool cost? And immediately it started to generate traffic again, because nobody had answered the question ever. And to make a long story short, because we measure this stuff and because we know um, the leads, the total number of leads we get and what, where they come from and, you know, what pages of the website they hit first, et cetera, et cetera. I know that that one single article that I wrote seven years ago, since the day was written, has generated over three and a half million dollars in sales of swimming pools that I never would have had, had I not addressed the question. Now, somebody that's hearing this right now, is probably thinking, well, I can't address cost and price on my website, which is total bull. Of course you can. Now, the reasons why businesses say they can't do it is because, number one, they say my competitors are going to find out. Number two, they say I might scare them away. Number three, they say, well, every job is different. Um, it depends. You know, it's a customized solution, right? That's the that's same answer for every business. But the reality is this. If you or I go on a website right now as buyers and we're looking for cost and price and we can't find it, we do not stay. In fact, the average person will stay less than 10 seconds. And not only that, but we don't call them because we stop calling the company. Instead, we keep searching until we find what we're looking for. And generally speaking, whoever gives us what we're looking for, they're going to get our business or at least first contact, first phone call. Yeah, we all do this as buyers, but sadly, most businesses aren't willing to address this question. 
And so you get back to the reasons why we don't do it. You say the competition. Well, okay. If I came to your sales team right now or to anybody that's listening to this and I said, do you have a good sense as to what your competitors charge? You would say, of course. And so if you know what they charge, it therefore means they know what you charge. It's like the big secret, non-secret. Everybody acts like nobody knows what everybody's (laughs) charging and everybody knows what everybody's charging. And besides, your competitors don't pay your bills. That's number one. Number two, you say, well, I don't want to scare them away. Well, what we have seen time and time again, this is an established fact at this point, what actually scares people away is not seeing the price. It's no different than if you decide to go to a new restaurant tonight. You go to that new restaurant, you decide you want to vet it before you go, you're going to look at Yelp and reviews, and you're also going to look at the menu. Now, here's where it gets interesting. If you go to the menu and there is no pricing, are you still going to go to the restaurant? We have found over 90% of all people in that case won't go, and it's not because they can't afford it, it's because the moment they leave the dumb answer blank, they plant a seed of doubt. Yeah. And when seeds of doubt exist, buyers don't buy. Inertia occurs. They stop. And then finally you say, well, I can't do it because every job is different. Well, explain it. Explain the marketplace. Why are some cheap? Why are some expensive? We have to teach people as businesses how to buy, what to buy. We got to, they don't understand these things necessarily every single time. One last point about this. When we aren't willing to talk about cost and price, what inadvertently happens is the thing we're trying to prevent, and that is we commoditize what we're selling. And the reason why we're commoditizing it is because we're allowing people to make ignorant decisions because nobody bothered to teach them the thing. By aggressively answering their questions, or in this case, explaining how we come up with our cost and price, not putting a price list, but explaining the marketplace, huh. we decommoditize that thing we sell and we become the trusted voice. Interesting. And, and, and it's, you're so spot on. It's taboo uh, for, for so many people to want to talk about that. And all the points you just made, you scratch your head and say, why aren't we addressing? Because the restaurant example you make is a perfect, uh, perfect point. If you pull up a menu, no price, it's I'm not, not it's like, oh, I can't afford this place. It's just like, <laughs> no, I'm going to go check out the next place and you yeah. leave and, and you don't come back. And well, it's, so, it, there's, there's so many examples of that. Like, one other really simple example that everybody's experienced. Let's say you're going to a shopping cart page. You got your credit card out. You're getting ready to buy whatever that thing is online that you want to buy. But then all of a sudden, you notice there's a coupon code. And you don't have a coupon code. So in that moment of realizing, oh, I don't have the coupon code, most people go and look for the coupon you're code. You're looking for now, it. Here's, <laughs> yeah, here's where it gets really interesting, though. If you don't find the coupon code, do you still buy the thing? Hmm. And our studies have found that over 50% of people in that moment now will not buy that thing just a second ago they're going to swipe their credit card for. Yeah. And it's not because they can't afford it. It's because they planted a seed of doubt. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. And you bring up these changes and things that, that didn't exist and consumers have changed a lot. We, 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 we now have all this information at our fingertips. Uh, we, we are able to view all these things and things that didn't exist in a, a decade ago or even five years ago exist today. And can you talk a little bit about, I mean, you made some really good examples there, but dive in maybe a little bit deeper on what has happened to the marketing and sales world overall based on the new way the consumer functions and interacts with businesses in the world of marketing and sales. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the studies say, and there's different studies on this, but basically Different studies have shown that at this point in time, 70% of the buying decision is made before someone actually talks to the company and the salesperson. That's why all of us, at some point over the last couple of years, we've gone, we've researched something to buy, gone to buy it, and we have found that we were more informed than the salesperson themselves. 
And so at this point in time, the buyer is no longer dumb. And because they're not dumb, businesses have a choice to make. Do we treat them as informed consumers and buyers, or do we continue to pretend that's 1995 and try to hide it, try to, you know, cup it, try to, you know, um, act like whatever that thing is, we can be the ostrich with our head in the sand and not address the thing. You simply can't do that, right? And so if you look at what's happening with today's buyer, here's what's fascinating. In the past, when you think about innovation in the past, it's like, did we invent something new, something that you can hold, something tangible? Well, the most innovative companies today, they aren't trying to necessarily invent something new. What they're trying to do is they're making it faster and easier for, for you to get that thing that you've been buying for years. So the super classic example could be like Zappos or Amazon because they changed the shipping elements of it. Zappos said, okay, we'll send it back. Just by saying we'll send it back, they overcame the concern of there's no way I would buy a pair of shoes online without trying them on first. And they said, we're going to eliminate the risk, and therefore you're going to be able to do this now without fear. That's powerful, and they change an entire industry. You look at a company like CarMax that 15 plus years ago, they said, nobody trusts us in the used car space. Well, how can we get the trust back? And they said, okay, let's have a five-day money-back guarantee. Let's have set pricing instead of these stupid haggle um, setups that are done in so many automotive dealerships. Let's have a CarMax quality certified where we're going to walk them through the inspection process and we're going to do everything we can to prevent selling a lemon. And because of that, CarMax sells thousands of cars a year without anyone even test driving the vehicle. And these are just two simple examples. Now, you might say those are bigger brands. It doesn't matter. It's the same principle. Whatever the thing is that you think has to be sold face-to-face, eventually it's going to be sold online. And the reason is because how we define a face-to-face sales experience is going to change. I mean, if somebody goes to your website right now and they watch an hour's worth of videos, which is very uh, possible, anybody says that's never possible, just don't even, don't, don't even lie to yourself. It's very possible. Somebody goes and watch an hour worth of video of you talking or teaching them about that particular thing that you sell. And by the end of that hour, they're like, this is my guy, this is my gal. Have they had a face-to-face sales experience? I say yes. Some people say no. But in their mind, they know you. They know how you sound. They know what you look like. They've heard your doctrine and your philosophy. And because of that, they're going to give you their money. That's the essence of business today. All done before, as you made mention, they, they, they haven't even touched the, the phone. You haven't made haven't no the phone yet. physical interactions in, in that's how consumers are acting today. So I, I guess I asked my question to you is businesses that are operating where they don't provide these tools for getting to know their customers before they pick up the phone. Uh, what type of situation are they leaving themselves in right now? <laughs> That's why a lot are being left behind, right, man? I mean, it's like if you look at it, there's a lot of people holding on to the past right now, refusing to embrace what is obvious. And um, that's why you, sh- you, you keep seeing industries being left behind and very, very frustrated about it. If I had a dollar for every insurance agent that has complained to me about Geico, I'd own a beach right now, a big one, because I've spoken at so many insurance conferences, right? So the thing about it is you can either complain about Geico or you can say, how can we make it faster and easier for the buyer? It doesn't help to complain about the thing. It doesn't help to tell everybody, no, 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 they're screwing it all up and we've got to continue to keep it the way it's always been. It's not going to work that way. It's not going to work that way. So they're missing out on big time opportunities. 
and uh, you know they're being replaced in the marketplace. That's but that's that's the circle of life when it comes to business. What happens is, and this is always the case, the leaders of the previous generation are the slowest adopters of the next, and so the ones that were killing it, you know, on door to door sales, are the slowest to embrace the internet in most situations. Eh, okay, that's the facts. That's the facts. But that's why you see ones get left behind, and this is why also the ones now today on the Fortune 500, uh, the Fortune 500 companies list, the the time they're on that list today is about a tenth of what it was 20 years ago in terms of average time they're on the list. And it's only going to get smaller and smaller and smaller because of that rate of change. Amazing. I, I, I have to ask, your title of your book is is They Ask, You Answer. And this is a little bit more than a, just a catchy title. You, you kind of reference it as a business philosophy. Yeah, that's right, Ken. It's a can, philosophy. Can yes. you expand on they ask, <clears throat> you answer a little bit more and what it actually means? Yeah, well, it really aligns with what we've been talking about. Now, there's the simple side of it, which is if they've asked the question, you need to be willing to address it on your digital properties, your website, social, et cetera, through text, video, maybe audio. And that question could be anything, like how much is it? What are the drawbacks of it? I heard this negative thing about your stuff. Is that true? Like, you need to be willing to address those things because somebody's going to own the conversation. It may as well be you. So that's the surface level. But if you get deeper than it, it's meeting the buyer where they are. In other words, there's a whole group of people right now that are saying, I, you know, I don't do video and I don't shop with video. So I'm just not going to, like as a company, we're not going to do this whole video thing. No, ding dong, you can't do that because the studies have shown that by the year 2019, 80% of the content consumed online is going to be video-based content. That's a fact. I can't, I don't make this stuff up. And so if that's true, what percentage of your content right now is video or visually based content? So, you know, if you look at like video, video is the rising tide that is going to come up whether we move our lounge chairs or not. It's going to happen. And so what are we going to do about it? That's the essence of the Ask You Answer. It's by saying, okay, so it looks like we're a media company. Yep. Because we're all media users and we're all obsessed about media because we're always connected. And so that's the Ask You Answer. The Ask You Answer is saying, like CarMax did, most people, wow, lo and behold, don't like to haggle. 80% of the marketplace doesn't like to haggle. An entire industry is built on what 20% of people like to do. Most people, especially most decision makers, when automobiles, when it comes to automobiles, are females, right? And females definitely don't like to haggle, the majority, the majority. And so with that being said, why was an industry built on what people don't like? It's dumb. They ask you answer is knowing what they're thinking, what they're feeling, what they're saying, what they're searching, how they want to do it, whatever it is, and then willing to adjust the way you sell, the way you market, the way you do business to match that, whatever it takes. That's how you stay in front of things. That's how you move. They ask you answer is saying, oh, look, they're on MySpace today. Oh, they're gone. They're on Facebook today. Oh, they're gone. What are they going to be on tomorrow? I don't know. But it's where they are. They asked. They asked you to be there. So you answered by saying, okay, let's continue to evolve and adjust. And this aligns pretty well with then understanding your buyer persona, your avatar, whatever we want to call that these days. Uh, more so than uh, just defining a, a target demographic that you're going to go after. 
Well, so, so that's a really, really good point. So if, if you really understand they ask you answer, lots of times your personas really take care of themselves because you're obsessed with the way, with the questions your people are asking and the way they're asking it, the way they talk, not the way you talk, the way they think, not the way you think as the business, right? And so that's why if people are really obsessed about this element, the whole persona oftentimes, for the most part, takes care of itself. Awesome. Now, you mention in your book something called, and I found this interesting that I'd like to, for you to expand a little bit on, something called the ostrich marketing strategy uh, that uh, I think a lot of our listeners might find themselves identify to identify with, but I wanted to, to hear your take on what is the ostrich marketing strategy? I think you've touched on it just a hair bit already. We have. I mean, the, the most common example um, is the pricing element, but, you know, the... the, the uh, you know, the, of course, it's a myth, but you always, you always hear the, the analogy of don't be an ostrich with your head in the sand, right? And, of course, the reason why they would put their head in the sand is because they think the problem will go away. But the problem, it never goes away. So what is the problem? Well, the problem could be the question. It could be the need. It could be the concern. It could be the worry. It could be the issue. But it's the thought of the prospect or the buyer in this case, right? So if they want to know pricing, you can't just bury your head in the sand and say, oh, let's just ignore the question because I'm sure it'll go away. No, they're going to kind of want to know. So we have a choice. If somebody, let me give you another example, perfect example of ostrich marketing. For years, people used to ask me as a pool guy, because we sold fiberglass pools, they'd ask me, so Marcus, what are the problems of fiberglass pools? I've, I've been reading about it. And, you know, the concrete pool guy said, you know, they had problems. Okay, so I had a choice. I could either address those problems through text and video, et cetera, or I could just pretend they don't exist like every other pool guy. Well, see, that would be dumb because people aren't dumb. They're going to find out. So I can get in front of the conversation and I could come out and say, you know what? Fiberglass pools aren't for everybody. They don't get longer than 40 feet. They don't get wider than 16 feet. They don't get deeper than eight feet. You can't customize them any way you want. But if you're looking for a low maintenance pool that's going to last you a lifetime, that's less than 60 by 40, less than eight feet deep, and you can find a shape that fits your needs, well, then it might be a great choice for you. But you see... That's addressing the elephant in the room. The smartest companies today, they take the elephant that's in the room, that's in the corner, that's buried somewhere that the person's going to discover. They take it and then they bring it to the front door so that when the person walks in, you hear, this is our elephant. Any issues with our elephant? Because we love our elephant. <laughs> love it. So that's why I was able to say, this is fiberglass pools. Don't get longer than 40 feet. Once I'm longer than 40 feet, that's okay. We're not a good fit for you. Boom. So it becomes a great qualifier and allows your raving fans to become even more serious fans for your product, your service, your brand, or whatever that thing is. So by by getting this elephant out in the front, I mean, you're, you're basically having a conversation right away that's eventually going to happen if you do get the chance to see them through the entire cycle it's going to get brought up eventually anyway. So you're qualifying them up front. What does this do for the productivity of maybe your sales force? Oh my goodness, dude. Right. So way less tire kickers, bad fits, et cetera, et cetera. When it comes to the sales front, way more time with qualified leads. Look, we've all heard this and this isn't just about sales. It's about life. The best way in life to resolve a concern is to address it before it becomes a concern. That's when, that's why when somebody runs for office, they, you know, oftentimes will come right out and say, yeah, I smoked dope when I was in college. Because if somebody else says it for them before they say it, 
well, then it's a scandal. But if they say it themselves, well, then all of a sudden everybody says, oh, look at that person. He's honest. He's a man of the people. <laughs> right? <laughs> got to get your skeletons out there. Sure. And so you might not have skeletons, but it's the areas where you're not a good fit. You know, I do this with our clients. I have this with, the, with my websites. But one of the highest converting pages always of a website is the one that nobody has. And the title of the page is who we're not a good fit for. Awesome. So, so your recommendation is, is just air that out right away. Put that on your website in, yeah. in let's kick him out of the door right away. Let's not even waste each other's time. Yes, absolutely. And you don't have to be like a schmuck about it. You don't have to say, well, if you don't value a dollar, well, then we're probably <laughs> not the best fit for you. No, no, it's not that right. Sure. I'm like, you, you literally say like, let's say that you're an attorney and you're in um, Washington, D.C., and, you know, you're, you specialize, your, your litigation specialty is um, is uh, corporate, right? So if you, if, you, if you say, look, if you're a small business and you've got some needs, um, well, then we're probably not the best fit for you because we generally only work with corporations, but we can tell you some small business litigation attorneys that might be a good fit. Right. So you, you come right out and you just say it this way. The corporations are saying, good, this is a this is a big player here is a baller. This is all they do is corporations like us, big companies like us, big brands. So this is the attorney we want to go with. And they're not wasting their time with those that just aren't going to end up being a client anyway. I, I, that's a great idea. Awesome. Word to your mother. Awesome. Exactly. So in your book, you've noted Five types of content subjects that have the greatest impact generating more traffic, conversions, leads, sales. Can you share with our audience these five content subjects and maybe a little bit of detail in each one? Yeah, of course. We've, we've addressed two of them already. So we call these the big five. And the big five um, is the essence of they asked you answer. The big five runs the economy because whenever anybody is going to buy anything, uh, whether it's a service product, a big thing, a small thing, whatever it is, B2B, B2C, they research these five things. They don't even always realize it, but yep, this is how we do it. And they are. They want to know how much it is, cost, price, questions. They want to know what are the negatives or problems with the thing, what are the drawbacks with it. They want to know how does it compare to the other competitors or options they have in terms of what they buy. So we call that versus. They want to know what everybody else is saying about that thing reviews. That's how we define quality today is what everybody else is saying about that thing. That's reviews. And they want to know what the best is for that particular thing in the marketplace, right? So you might say, you know, what is the best corporate attorney in Washington, D.C.? Right? That's a very common search that somebody might do. And there's a million ways that we do this. You know, what are the, you know, best Mexican restaurants for tequilas in Richmond, Virginia? Right? This is how people think. And they're that specific. And so that's the way we search. So the question is, are companies willing to address these big five? Most are not. Most certainly don't talk about cost. Most don't talk about the elephants, the problems. Most don't like to compare their thing with any other thing because they don't like to mention the competition. That's stupid. Because you can either control that conversation or you can allow somebody else to do it, but they're asking. So it's your job to mention it, right? So like give you an example of this. Um, I used to get asked all the time, so Marcus, tell me the difference between a concrete and a fiberglass pool. And you know, seven years ago, most fiberglass pool guys hadn't even addressed concrete pools on their website. Why? <laughs> because their logic was our biggest competitor is concrete pools. 
So in order to deal with the problem, this is what we're going to do. We're not even going to talk about them on the website. If we don't talk about them, nobody will know they exist. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, that's some good logic right there. But I still see companies doing that all the time. So you got to talk about um, how your stuff compares to the other stuff, whatever that is. And um, you need to openly discuss reviews and you need to discuss the best. So like, you know, what is the best small pool for a small backyard? That's a good example of one that I have done. You know, what is the best fiberglass diving pool out there? I mean, these are the types of these are the types of questions that, you know, I get asked as a pool guy. But they exist in every industry. Again, B2B service-based businesses, same deal. The big five doesn't change. You know, the majority of our clients are actually B2B service businesses, not even B2C. Big five just as relevant, just as prevalent and um, that's where the action is. And what's cool about the big five is they represent bottom of the funnel questions that buyers ask. And most companies fail with content marketing or they're slow to get results because they produce too much fluff. I mean, stuff that buyers don't really care about. Like something that could be nice, something that could even generate traffic, but it never generates a stinking lead for your company. And that's because it's not a buyer-based question. That's why you're never going to see me as a pool guy writing an article like five fun games to play in your swimming pool. <laughs> like, what the heck? That's dumb. It doesn't make any sense because that person might not even be in the market for a pool. Maybe they own a Walmart pool. Maybe they're going to the YMCA to have a party this Saturday, but they sure as heck are probably not my customer. And so why am I going to produce content on that? It doesn't make any sense. Yet there's a lot of companies that think like that. That's called fluff. And when we have a client, we don't allow them to produce any fluff at all whatsoever. We start with the big five and we focus on that usually for the first six months. So the big five that you, you you're talking about, I mean, these are these aren't anything that uh, is of internet age. These are five things that I mean are pretty much foundational. They're going to be commonplace ten, twenty, fifty years from now. Because we're always going to ask these questions when we buy something. <laughs> That's just how it's going to work forever. That's the cool thing about this. They ask you answer is an eternal principle. It's not going to go away, right? Like link building, eventually going to go away, friends. And I don't got a problem with link building, but link building is not a principle. It's a technique. They asked you answer is a principle. It's a business philosophy that's been around for a long time and it's not going to go away. If you're a great teacher, if you obsessively listen to your customers and their prospects in your prospects and their questions, and you're willing to address them honestly and transparently and consistently, you're going to win. You're going to win. That's, that's nothing new. Nothing new. Exciting and so 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 true. I I encourage each of our listeners to to grab a copy. I've read the book. Justin's read the book. We both enjoyed it thoroughly and uh, find the the items that you talk about in it. You shared some with today, but there's so much more value packed into that book. Uh, definitely pick up a copy. I'm curious, Marcus, what are you working on now? What's you, you seem like you're on the move quite a bit. Um, you're speaking, you're, uh, you're, you're an author, you're, you're the sales lion, uh, everything that you're involved in. What, what are you working on now? Or what do you have coming down the line that you're really excited about? Well, you know, I'm excited about a lot of things. Ultimately, I think what excites me most is great communication. And, um, and, and, and that's what I see sales. That's what I see marketing being is and when companies can understand the principles of world-class communication, Sales takes care of itself. Branding takes care of itself. Marketing takes care of itself. And one of the things I've been doing a lot of recently that I just love, man, 
is doing workshops on how to be a better communicator, be it from what I like to say, um, from the stage to the boardroom to the living room. How can you and I reach peak performance as communicators? And there's just so much that we can do right there. And I think I'm going to, I, I know I'm going to be writing a book on that at some point. I expect it'll be called The Art of the Question. But um, it's about seeing the world in terms of questions. And ultimately, if you see the world in terms of questions, it just opens up so many doors. And just to give you, just to give you one little concept of how this impacts saying things, the reason why I've been so successful um, as a speaker is because I ask questions that force audiences to look in the mirror. I can't convince them of something. They have to do it themselves. So the only way they're going to own what I tell them is if they discover it for themselves. And the only way they're going to do that is through the power of the question. If I want to be great with my employees, with their personal development, with their progress, I'm going to have to ask them just the right questions so that they are able to say, my goodness, this is what I need to do. And then I'm able to say as the boss, yes, exactly. But if I tell them what to do, well, then they don't own it for themselves. If I can with my kids, when they ask me a question, because kids are curious and they say, dad, why is the sun rise in the morning? Is it possible for me as a father to say, well, let's talk about that. What do you think? And if I ask a series of questions, then all of a sudden at the end of those questions, the kid says, wait, 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 wait. I think I know. The sun isn't moving at all, is it, dad? No, it's not. Well, what's happening? Well, I guess what's actually happening, dad, it's the earth is the thing that's moving and not the sun. Is that right? You see, in that moment, they just discovered for themselves. And they have that same feeling that whoever that was, that scientist that discovered that all those years ago, they have that same feeling because they own it. That's the art of the question. That's the power of the question. And by asking better questions as a society, as a people, we can advance so much further than we've ever been. And uh, that's what I'm passionate about right now. That's interesting. It in in the the one thing that you said there that that really hits home it, from a from a standpoint with with uh, Justin and I both have children, uh, and you know we both have uh, teams that we work with and lead is the having someone else own it and the accountability that comes with that is so much more has so much more strength or or legs or whatever you want to call it than if you give them orders or if you were just to give your your child the answer to the question um but i never really thought about it in the form of being more ans- asking more questions or asking the right questions uh that's the right ones yeah yeah that's yeah, the right one. So, so so that's fascinating i i'm 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 interested and excited to uh to hear more about this in in your next uh when, when you when you get the book out so the thank you man we appreciate that anxiously await the uh the follow-up to they ask you answer <laughs> yeah and in a lot of ways it is that i mean it's a it's a deeper understanding of this principle because they ask you answer starts with obsessive listening and once you've obsessively listened then you have the ability to ask incredible questions that can lead to the desired outcomes that we have. Sure. It's, it's so easy just to not ask the questions or, or not it listen. It, oh, totally. Here's, here's what I think you should do because we all want to feel smart and because we want to feel smart, we want to give answers. Good stuff. Good stuff to think about. Yeah. 
Yeah, man. That's what I think about all the time. It's kind of nerdy, but that's my jam. Hey, no, whatever. This is this. And <laughs> the thing is, is the um, communication is something we all do. I don't. Doesn't matter what profession you're in. Uh, we're all communicating. We're all working, whether it's our children or our, our leaders, or uh, us as leaders communicating with our teams. Uh, it's all there. So, so we we need to understand and better better digest the ways to effectively communicate. So the the this is good good stuff. Well, thank you guys. Good stuff. Hey, Marcus, you've shared a lot of awesome value today. If you had one piece of parting advice for our listening audience, what would that be? I would say, I'm just going to pick one of, of many, but, um, you know, in this world of digital, so many people are unfocused simply because they try to be a jack of all trades, try to be great on, on social media. And then they try to be great on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on Twitter and all these places. And then they try to be great here. And when it comes to business, we try to be great with a multiplicity of customers and a multiplicity of needs. And then we try to be great with, you know, all these different skill sets. And the reality is, is we're way better off being, instead of a jack of all trades, a master of one. Because if you try to be a jack of all trades, you'll be a master of none. And so if I could give one bit of advice is for you to understand what is that one thing? What is that one thing that you could do or you could say better than anybody else, or at least at a level that can have major, major impact? Don't try to be everything to everybody, but understand your niche, understand your target, understand your market, understand who you are. And of course, in doing that, you've got to understand what you're not. And if you understand what you're not, it's going to be one of the happiest days in life for you as a person, as a professional, because it gives you the ability to say no. And when you have the ability to say no, your yeses are dramatically more rewarding. Awesome. Awesome advice, Neon Nation. Figure out that one thing and just be the master of one. Good stuff, Marcus. Hey, what is the best way for listeners to get in touch with you? Should they go to your website? How do they purchase your book? They yeah, well, answer. we'll appreciate that. If you if you purchase, they ask you answer. You can get it on Barnes and Noble and Amazon. And if you and if you would please leave a review, that has a big impact uh, on things. And I haven't done a very good job of asking people to do that, so that would be wonderful. You can email me personally, Marcus at the Sales Lion L I O N dot com. If you have a question for me, um, just uh, anything you've heard today, you can find me on the Twitters at the Sales Lion. But, uh, gentlemen, it's really been great chatting with you guys today. Awesome stuff. Marcus, thanks so much for being on the show today. Neon Noise Nation, we hope you enjoyed our conversation today with Marcus. Be sure to go over and check out his website at thesaleslion.com. Pick up his book. Please leave him a review. As always, the show notes from today will be available at neongoldfish.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, this is Justin, Ken, and Marcus signing off. Neon Nation. We will see you again next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Neon Noise Podcast. Did you enjoy the podcast? If so, please subscribe, share with a friend, or write a review. We want to cover the topics you want to hear. If you have an idea for a topic you'd like Justin and Ken to cover, connect with us on Twitter at Neon Goldfish or through our website at neongoldfish.com.